Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. Well, hello. Welcome to Millennial 635. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. We're joined by Pat this week, my boyfriend. Hello, Pat. Hello. So Pat hasn't been on the show in a while. Is your 2020 still going shittily, Pat, or have things improved? Um, They've improved. So that is great. I mean, after starting off, you know, the end of March, lost my job. End of May, lost my cat. But since coming out here, I have actually had two job offers. I worked one for two days and then quit. Um, <laughs> oh, we should tell this story. But yeah, go on. So this first job, I was working at a company that makes weed gummies, which was awesome. Um, but I was on like the production line. So I was basically working in a factory. Like all I did all day was put stickers on things and then fold boxes, put stickers on boxes. Not very fulfilling work. Right. Just all day. But my new position, which I will actually start next Monday, is at Tesla in their solar whoop, roof whoop. division. That's super cool, so cool. job. And you're yes, obsessed it's like with a dream Tesla. job. Yes, I've been obsessed for tes- with Tesla for like six years now. And I love solar and stuff to begin with. Like going back in high school where I wrote a research paper on alternative energy sources. I'm just really excited the fact that I am doing something that A, is going to help the planet, but then B is going to be helping people help the planet as well. So like it is a dream job for me being a project coordinator. I get to work with the homeowners and the subcontractors who are going to do the installations of these new roofs. What happened was he got this job at the weed gummy place. And then what was it? Was it after your first day you got the call from Tesla saying you got the job the and second then he went day, into yeah. okay and then he went into work the third day and he was like sorry i got a way better job at Tesla can i at least work for you guys for another week until my next job starts and they were like no in fact we're kind of pissed that you didn't tell us that you were up for this job at Tesla so you can just leave now yeah they like, like scolded me for not mentioning that I had something else in the pipeline and I'm like well in business. today's climate right it also yeah none of your business and also if I don't get it I'm not gonna like tell you that and risk you either not hiring me right away or right. like giving yeah giving it to somebody else like whatever so also- I have a question. Is Nevada a right-to-work state? Uh, yes. I okay, think well so. then fuck them, because they can fire you at any <laughs> point for no fucking reason. Yeah. So, <laughs> suck it. Yeah. Gummy bear yeah. factory. Was, Pat made the right decision. <laughs> yes. I probably would not have told them about the job either that I was potentially up for. I mean, I see why they're frustrated, but that's life. Right. That's, that's how it goes. Um, But while you were unemployed, which was for a good six months i mean we're closing in on six months here yeah. you were side hustling for grubhub right yes i did 
I signed up for Grubhub and DoorDash. I mostly did Grubhub though, because, you know, you can write off your mileage on your taxes later on. So Grubhub would give you your mileage on each delivery. So I was like, awesome, perfect. I made a spreadsheet. I'm a responsible adult. I was recording all that, the tips every day, whatever. But you ran into some weirdos delivering for people, right? Oh, As yeah. you do with like Uber and these other jobs. Sure. For sure. And like some like shitty restaurants too, who would be like, oh yeah, the order's ready. And then you get there and you're still waiting for 45 minutes. And I'm like, no. You don't tell me the order's ready if it's not actually ready. Weirdos aside, you made some good tips some nights, right? I mean, people would tip you like $20 or more on like a $5 meal sometimes. Yeah, like that I super, super appreciated. And I had some people because in Chicago, at least because Chicago is where Grubhub started. It's where their headquarters are, like everything. So it was one of the first states to allow alcohol to be delivered. And there was one dude. I delivered him a handle of whiskey to a Motel 8 or (laughs) Motel 6, whatever it was. He already was drunk, came like stumbling out. He tipped $20 in the app to me and gave me a $20 cash tip. (laughs) I was like, one, this guy is just He must have forgotten he tipped you through the app. Right, he must (laughs) have. He was too drunk. He probably woke up the next morning and was like, oh, shit, what happened to that 20? (laughs) (laughs) Who brought me this extra handle of alcohol? I mean, it it was a fine experience. It's never something I looked forward to doing, honestly. Because some days, it, it was really frustrating. I went out for three hours one day and did not get a single order. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that means it was when people were either not ordering or there are so many more drivers because all the restaurants and bars and everything were closed that maybe there weren't enough orders for everybody. So like the un- I think it was more that. Yeah, the unpredictability so many of it was so frustrating. But days yeah. when it was busy, the time went by so quickly. Yeah. So for anybody who's looking for a side hustle, Grubhub, DoorDash, those may be ones to consider. But there are some downsides. There, Some people also didn't tip you at all, right? Yeah. And fuck those people. But on the flip side, you'll get some drunk people who will tip you $20 through the app and then $20 cash in person. <laughs> and then right. There's other situations where you'll get some big tips as well. So I mean, just the fact that like, hey, you should be tipping a delivery driver no matter what. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But somebody who's in a pandemic or we're all in a pandemic, but somebody's doing this during it who is having to go into restaurants and then go to houses, go in apartment buildings, and you're exposing yourself to all of this stuff to begin with, and then you don't tip them, like, you're Mm. a fucking shitty person if you do that. Yeah, you can at least give them 20% for taking their life into their hands to go out and get your pizza. Yeah, and there was one day I was in a torrential downpour. Like, I came home the day from that day, like literally soaked not a single part of me was dry and three people that night did not tip me i was like you're ordering during a massive thunderstorm in a pandemic and you still don't tip who are you especially in bad weather you should be tipping people you Mm -hmm. should always tip but especially during bad weather when you know that person is out in the rain carrying you your freaking chipotle yes (laughs) <laughs> anyway well, pat i'm glad to hear that there was a happy ending of sorts here like i know it has to have been a stressful six months for you and going through a cross-country move during all of that plus dealing with all of life's other um you know shitty happenings that happened dealing here. with andrew yeah 
Well, I wasn't going to say it, but... <laughs> That's a major stressor. Well, and I was lucky no, I, I didn't have a counselor. I think it's a good reminder. Pat's an example of this, but I think everybody has to remember this. No matter where you are in life right now, things always work out. That's something I have observed in my 20s and my 30s. Yes, things suck now, but things will get better. You will always get through it. Yeah. And the story that Pat just shared is a good example of that. There's a lot to talk about today. Wanted to address upfront Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We did a breaking news installment that's available on our Patreon, but it's available to everybody. You can listen to it whether or not you are a patron. Check out our social media channels for a link to that. RBG did pass away Friday. It was very stunning news. It's very sad news. I feel like, you know, the breaking news segment really speaks for itself. And if you want to hear, um, sort of our immediate reaction to what was very shocking news. Um, I would check that out. We also spent a good amount of time talking about her legacy and why it is she held such rock star status amongst progressives. Um, so mm-hmm. definitely check that out. But uh, her, you know, her passing means that we definitely should be taking time to mourn and observe that legacy. But it also means that we have to work harder now than ever. Um, Because it says something about a system when the only thing standing in the way of like complete democratic collapse is an 87-year-old woman who is trying really hard not to die for eight years. Yeah, it's Um, not right. So yeah, we need to be sure that we're supporting uh, candidates up and down the ticket who are uh, blue candidates up and down the ticket this fall, as well as, um, you know, getting out our support, volunteering for their campaigns, supporting monetarily, um, but also calling your senators, especially your Republican senators, and urging them to stick with Mitch McConnell's 2016 precedent of not confirming a new Supreme Court justice during an election year. A month and a half before the election, no less. Mm-hmm. So that has been the big story. Unfortunately, it's felt like there's been no time to mourn because hours after RBG died, Mitch McConnell issued the statement and we covered it on Breaking News. He said that he was still going to hold a vote for Trump's pick to replace RBG. And we knew he was. And yeah, it, but it was just so sick how quickly he released that statement. You know, at least yeah. wait till the next day. What a oh, are you kidding? Human. They had that shit pre-written. The same way that news outlets have obituaries pre-written, mm. Mitch's office had that shit ready. He had already said previously in 2019 and earlier on this year that if there was a vacancy on the Supreme Court this year, he would move to fill it. So it's not a surprise. So this and, of course, her passing angered and saddened Democrats. And there was record-breaking fundraising Over the following 24 hours, Democratic donors have contributed more than 91 million in the 28 hours after RBG died. Act Blue said Ginsburg's death had led to an unprecedented surge of donations. Donors gave $6.3 million in just one hour late Friday and $70.6 million on Saturday. I was one of those people. I just felt helpless that night as did so many others we wanted to do something in that moment and we said let's fucking donate to get mitch out to get joe in and to save this country so if there was one heartwarming thing 
uh, that night and over the weekend, it was that so many people turned out to donate. Yeah, I was I was in there, too. Yeah, I I was already donating to Joe's campaign, but I upped my donation to a weekly donation. So did um, I. between now and November 3rd, um, I'm also supporting Amy McGrath and uh, Jamie Harrison, who is running against uh, Lindsey Graham or Lady G, as he's called in some circles. <laughs> I, I set up recurring donations also to stop Mitch, that yep. campaign from the Pod Save America guys, and Amy McGrath as well, who is running against Mitch. The thing is, they're weekly donations, but what's cool is that they will automatically stop at the election. And there's, what, like six weeks to go? So this doesn't last for too long. And it, it feels like I'm doing something. Um, but some other developments, Trump said he'll be announcing his Supreme Court pick on Friday or Saturday. RBG is going to be lying in state at the Capitol on Friday. Uh, Trump has said that his pick is likely to be a woman. Senators Collins and Murkowski have said they object to voting for Trump's pick until after the election. They are two Republicans, so that's important to hear them say that. We still don't know where Romney stands. He could be a wild card here. He could uh, he could say, I don't want to vote until after the election. Um, another wild card is Cory Gardner of Colorado. Chuck Grassley was another wild card. But he suggested in a statement on Monday that he'd be in favor of a vote before the election. Um, so it's going to be very tight. I think Mitch can only afford to lose three people. Uh, after that, he's screwed. He might have to wait until after the election to get somebody into that seat. But if they do force a candidate through, and I said this on breaking news, I've heard this idea on social media, and I love it. If Democrats take the Senate, in November, they should add seats to the Supreme Court. Yeah, we'll get some fucking left-leaning judges back on that panel. Well, also, it's—I um, don't know if it's ever been done, but you can impeach a Supreme Court justice. Ooh, so fun! That is an option we can look into. I also heard that Nancy Pelosi, in response to all of this, said that she wouldn't hesitate to impeach Trump a second time to hold this up. <laughs> Oh, what'll that do, though? I mean, what's even the point? I mean, delay. Oh, that would delay? Yeah, delaying. Because, I mean, Democrats don't have the filibuster. So there's only so much delaying they can do on the floor of the Senate. We're going to have to play dirty, just like these Republicans have. You guys, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the first presidential debate is next week. Oh my god. Tuesday, September 29th. It's already here. This is the first of three. Plus, we're going to have that VP debate between Kamala and um, Pence. Because that first debate is such a big deal, we will be recording our main episode right after that debate next Tuesday. And we'll have that episode out either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. And that episode of Millennial will be dedicated to the debate. Um, Hopefully, we'll have some clips to run from the debate. We'll talk about it. I'm really scared about this debate. Joe is not well-spoken. Neither is Trump. It's going to be hard to watch these two people bumble through this debate. I hope Joe is doing nothing but debate prep over the next week. Same. He, um, you know, Joe does really well when he's been prepared. The second he starts trying to speak off the cuff is when it can get dicey. Um, on the other hand, I think it it depends on how much he's willing to, you know, get down in the mud with Trump 
my hope is that we don't sink to that level. Um, I would like for us to show, you know, you have one candidate that's the pig and the other one that's refusing to get down and dirty. He has to a little bit. We need some zingers that we can retweet on social media. Yeah, zingers <laughs> are good. But there's al- there's always been a part of me that has had this fantasy that whoever we nominated um, for president would get up on that debate stage with Trump and refuse to play and just be like, yeah. you know what, when you want to have a real debate, let me know and then just turn it into a fucking town hall, like just pull a total West Wing and walk up to the front of the stage with the microphone and be like, what questions do you guys have like that? It's not going to happen. But that is my dream. Yeah, it's not going to be that. Good. I think too, like going <laughs> off of Joe kind of, you know, bumbling i think a part of the democratic convention and them focusing on his past and getting over his stutter was a little bit of them prepping people to expect some bumble or some stumbling you know but Mm -hmm. to ultimately realize that he can speak at least that's my hope i'm hoping that that was their preparation for the country to realize like hey Yeah, he stumbles, but he's still great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's always the expectations game that gets played before a debate. Um, Because if you prime the public to expect one thing and they do even just a little bit better than what was expected, then the narrative is, oh, Joe Biden destroyed Donald Trump in this debate. (laughs) I mean, this has been the trend with Trump, right? Like they always set his expectations super low so that. If he's right. out on stage standing upright with a pulse, it's a win. So <laughs> right. it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, I know we're going to be keeping the dock open and <laughs> making uh, making note of everything we want to make sure we get to cover next week in our response yeah. episode. So looking yeah. forward to it. Kind of nervous. Yeah, it'll it'll be fun. I am stressed about it, though, because there's a lot riding on this. I feel these debates to me are very important to sway some people who are on the fence. And it's just it's it's hard to see these people fighting each other viciously at points. And then you add in the fact that both of them embarrass themselves when they speak. And it's just like, I mean, I love it when Trump does it, but I don't want to see Biden doing it. You know, Hillary, she's calm and collected. Same thing with Obama, both very well spoken. And then Joe, I mean, he abandons thoughts mid-sentence sometimes, especially when he runs out of time in debates. And I'm like, dude, why you fight? Don't drop your sentence halfway. Like, he literally does that a lot. Yeah, there was part of me that was hoping... You know, when he was still participating in primary debates, I was like, maybe he's playing the long game here and like really setting expectations low this far out. <laughs> maybe it was a strategy. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I mean, it's not, but <laughs> let's cleanse ourselves with some nice political news. Barack Obama has announced volume one of his memoir called A Promised Land, arriving November 17th. So yes, there is going to be at least one more volume. We actually heard that he was thinking of splitting it into multiple books a couple months ago in a report from the New York Times. Um, I'm really excited about this. It looks like it's going to track his rise in politics and well into his first term in the White House. And I think uh, his second volume might cover the second half of his time in the White House. But I mean, this is good news, right? This will be a good read, hopefully. I'm so excited. And what I'm even most excited about is the fact that he's doing 
the audiobook. I was just oh, going to ask I that. that. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just need to hear his oh, voice. <laughs> Buy your own damn fries. Oh, that was from one of his past days. memoirs. Sure, you can have my number, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we need to find those clips again in celebration of his new book. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any crazy moments like that in this book. I might be wrong, though. <laughs> Did we used to play the one where he goes, you ain't my bitch, N-word? Yep. <laughs> That's one of those things. No, we didn't. That's that's one of those things like when I think about anytime we're having conversations about the evolution of conversations surrounding race and like our podcast and our development, not something I would do now. And I look I look back on it now and I'm like, oh God, like What were we thinking? Well, I think that I think that like a lot of people tend to do, and this doesn't justify it, but they think, oh, well, this person said it, and I'm not saying it. Right. I'm just using... We're listening to the black person say it. Right, exactly. And it's like, <laughs> mm, maybe having a panel of white people laugh about that doesn't doesn't land. Hasn't aged well. No. Um. So anyway, we're looking forward to that. Who knows when volume two of this memoir will be out i maybe next year who knows but um in some also bright news the emmys were this weekend pat and i watched it did you watch it laura what do you think (laughs) i didn't think so (laughs) i followed some of it on twitter to be fair okay um of course there was no audience jimmy kimmel was at the staples center though i expected him to just have a camera at home so that part alone surprised me and they actually did have some celebrities at the staples center with jimmy kimmel for some bits i actually thought i'm a big jimmy kimmel fan so i was entertained through most of it um there was a lot of filler there were hazmat suits being used for award delivery it seemed like every nominee had an emmy at their house on standby and then somebody would deliver it to them which i found very interesting schitt's creek which is a really great comedy. Pat got me into it. Um, it's on Netflix right now, I think. Yep. It used to air on Pop TV. It's finished now. They sweeped the comedy categories. It actually got a little boring because they were winning every one. But it's so deserved for them. Yeah, and it's the final season. So, of course, they're going to get all the wins if the show is good. Um, but they were all gathered together in Canada. They had a special tent. It was very glitzy. It looked like a, an Emmy party. I wonder if they knew they were going to be winning so many Emmys and the Emmys were presented to them in Canada after they won each one, because why would they all be together? Why would they have these this glitzy set? Did, do you think, Pat, they knew where the Emmys like you guys should prepare for a really good night? I mean, every outlet was predicting that they were going to sweep it purely because of how great the sixth and final season was. And I think that that is the main reason why they were all together is because it was their finale this year. So why not celebrate everything all at once? So I thought it went pretty well, all things considered. There weren't any major technical glitches, even though everybody was calling in via Zoom. Um, And they had like 180 cameras going the entire stream, uh, the entire event, apparently. So technically, it was very impressive. I think Pam wrote this in here. She couldn't make it at the last minute. Something came up. But she wrote, how was it still three hours long, even without people having to walk to the stage? Yeah, that's a very good point. Because some of the bits just went on way too long. 
And they had so many Kia ads. Our Kia cars are delivering the Emmys to the nominees. Yeah, bullshit. They didn't even show a single Kia deliver an Emmy. <laughs> One thing I did want to point out about the Emmys, though, and it relates back to your conversation a few weeks ago about Bella Thorne. The fact that Zendaya won an Emmy for Euphoria. She's the youngest person to ever win an Emmy. And Euphoria is incredible. If you haven't watched it yet, please do it. So good. But just the trajectory of those two people who starred in a Disney Channel show together. Zendaya, she's so classy. Chooses all of her projects like based off of what their message is and everything. And then you have Bella Thorne, who is one of the least classiest Disney Channel people to ever come out of there and has no talent to do anything. So all she does is spectacle. It's just really funny. I love... (laughs) And launch an OnlyFans. I just love seeing the difference between them. And I also, I love Zendaya. I'll like watch her do anything. So... Yeah, I was was very shocked by... (laughs) that duality of like i didn't realize that they had starred in the same disney channel original together when they were much younger and i was like wow talk about diverging paths yeah yeah it's time now for the rona roundup And we have to start with a grim number. Yeah, so in the U.S., we've officially hit 200,000 deaths. Um, This is double the estimate that we heard out of the White House in May. Um, Some of you might recall we talked about President Trump saying by the time this was all over, we might have 75,000 to 100,000 dead, and we have far surpassed that at this point. I thought I read the other day that there... There will be a coronavirus day of remembrance coming up in October. Andrew, have you heard anything about this? No. Is this organized by the Trump administration? I'm not sure. Um, We can definitely look more into it. But I feel like there needs to be some sort of national commemoration of this because this is horrific. And I'm getting really sick and tired of the narrative that detractors want to push against this being like, oh, these people all had pre-existing conditions as though somehow having a pre-existing condition makes your life worth less. Um, Also, most people, you could argue, have some kind of pre-existing condition, right? I have asthma. So if I got coronavirus and died in two weeks, is the justification going to be that I had a pre-existing condition? Asthma, which is an incredibly common (laughs) chronic illness. Um, So I just think that we as a country, we have to get better about reformatting this narrative and treating it for the tragedy that it is and not just like, oh, it's any other flu season because it's not. Yeah. Unfortunately, with new deaths, new cases being reported every day, I think everybody's just grown immune to the news. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect people as much. I Some people, of course, it affects you greatly. But then there's people probably more so on the right who are trying to believe that this isn't as big of a deal. They are like, oh, this is, you know, whatever. It's just another day in America. And I mean, when you think about it, like you look at 9-11, how many people died? Around 4,000 people that day. We're losing 1,000 people a day yeah. on some of the worst days, probably yeah. more than that. 
And to people who mourn those 4,000 people on 9-11, of course those people, their, their lives being lost should be mourned. But why don't they reflect on that? Why don't they look at these numbers? And, you know, we're having a 9-11 every few days, basically. Yeah. We've literally had like 40 9-11s at this point. Yeah. Um, but Trump 2020, woohoo! I think it's because people look at that and, you know, they're able to justify their sadness of it because they very much see that as like a foreign-led attack against American ideals. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which, if you really dig into the history of it, there was a lot that this country did and did not do that made 9-11 possible. It's not not victim blaming, but just looking at history there were Bush was tipped off. Yeah, there were failings that came from the Bush administration that um opened the door for that horrific possibility and it's the same here as we talked about last week Trump knew. So this is something that worse than the flu. Yeah, we may not have been able to I mean we wouldn't have been able to stop it. It didn't matter who the president was going to be. We could have had President Hillary Clinton and it still would have gotten here and people still would have died. It still would have been a national pandemic. But there were things that could have been steps that could have been taken earlier on to prevent it from being this bad and from being this long lasting of an issue. Which kind of takes us into your point here, Andrew. Yeah, the CDC said this week that we may not have a vaccine until third quarter 2021. Mm -hmm. And this really shocked me because I think a lot of us have been expecting by early next year, we would be we would have a vaccine. Third quarter 2021, that's a year from now. And what hits me about this is that how we're living right now is probably going to be unchanged until this time next year. Masks, social distancing, lots of things being closed, lots of people losing their job. Um, you know, lots of people getting COVID. Like it's just where we are right now is going to be what's going to be happening over the next year. And that's really sad. And of course, Trump, you know, he's, he said, no, the CDC is wrong. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and believe the CDC over him. I think it's kind of expected. I mean, when you look at the history of how long it takes to responsibly make a vaccine and not rush it along, it's even longer. So the fact that we are rushing it and they are going about it as responsible as they can be. But these numbers going along with it, I mean, the the CDC has already said, too, that the United States itself is probably going to hit a half million deaths by mid first quarter of next year, especially with winter coming. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, what's going to happen over winter? Yeah. yeah. It's going to get worse. Yeah, that's something to keep in mind, unfortunately. And then there is also some updated CDC guidance, Laura. Oh, yeah. So here's some fuckery, if I've ever heard of it. Um, so on the morning of this broadcast, the CDC actually updated its guidance and warned that coronavirus can spread through air beyond six feet. So what we've been hearing for the last six months, that as long as you're six feet apart, wearing a mask, you'll probably be okay. It sounds like for the most part, that's probably still true. But in cases where you're indoors and people aren't wearing masks, six feet 
might not be enough to help. And that's what the CDC was reporting this morning as of about 10 a.m. Eastern. A couple hours later, I went back to the dock just to do some housekeeping, and I saw that (laughs) the CDC guidance had been retracted. So CDC updates their website to show this new guidance, like, hey, six feet actually may not be enough to protect you from those little, like, water droplets that everybody spits and sneezes out. And now they've reversed this information, which raises the question for me, how are we supposed to know how best to be safe when the Center for Disease Control can't get their information straight? Just don't go outside is the answer. (laughs) I hope that most people assumed that just because you're six feet away from people doesn't mean you have no chance of catching it because people you just stupid, think Andrew I know but if you just think of one of these droplets coming out of your nose what do you think it just immediately drops to the floor no this shit probably floats in the air yeah, for a little it's while aerosol that's initially what this updated guidance was saying is you know gravity does not taken out immediately as soon as it's expelled. You know, it can remain in the air for some time. Um, But I wanted to bring up this point. I, and this could sound a little conspiracy theory-esque, but Uh I, I mean, with the way the Trump administration has been politicizing the CDC by taking reporting away from them and passing down orders to their senior leadership as to what they're supposed to say about the coronavirus. I just feel like this was a case where, you know, scientists have been urging the CDC to give this guidance for months now. They went ahead and did it. And I think someone in the Trump administration was like, no. Yeah. Don't freak people out. Don't make yeah, people don't panic. Don't freak people out. Yeah. And that hurts businesses too, probably, mm-hmm. when all of a sudden the CDC is saying, no, everybody needs to be 20 feet from each other. The businesses are like, holy shit, we just laid down these markers that are six feet apart. Now we're supposed to rip some up. Now we're supposed to reroute people through our buildings. Like, yeah, that would cause panic, I think. So I, I can imagine that the Trump administration administration would want to retract this i always laugh a little bit when i'm in a store like that that has like the six feet stickers on the floor and i'm like thinking i've seen somebody sneeze before and you can see the projectile yes and it goes way farther than six feet right or think about like when there's direct sunlight like in pat's shot right Mm -hmm. now you see like dust floating in the air because the light is so bright you got to think about it that way. This shit just floats in there for a long period of time. Right. And that six feet is meant for you like basically standing in place, not doing anything. When you're projecting more, when you're eating, like your example in the doc of the choir practice or fitness classes, when you're using more effort to, you know, project or obviously doing fitness, that cloud of invisible whatever coming out of you is going to spread so much further. So it makes sense that you need to have more distance in those areas when you're waiting in line and you should just be standing still, not doing anything. Six feet in theory should be fine. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're wearing a mask. Right. I have my new Biden Harris mask (laughs) that I got from them for donating. I might not wear it out though. I don't need to be approached by any Trump supporters. I'm a wuss. I don't like confront when people confront me or vice versa will you wear it pat do you want to wear this 
Uh, I mean, we're in a liberal city, so I'd be fine with it. You say that, but at the food store the other day, <laughs> I saw somebody wearing a mask that said, this mask does less than our government. <laughs> I was like, okay, so you don't like the government? I guess at least they were wearing it. <laughs> right. But you have to, or else you're not going to be allowed into these stores. So that's why some of these people who don't believe in masks wear them after all. Or they don't wear the mask. They walk into the store. The employees try to kick them out. Then they freak out, and it goes up on TikTok. <laughs> I love it when those people get shamed. Uh, it's not so a coincidence stupid. that all these people who support Trump and don't believe in masks have some serious anger issues. Mm-hmm. I don't see Democrats losing their shit like this, unless it's good trouble. It's time now for a word from this week's sponsor, and I'm so excited. It's a brand new sponsor, and it's a company who makes a product that we all rave about on the show. They are CBD products. We've been raving about the benefits of CBD for some time now. They can quell anxiety, they can reduce physical pain, and they can help you fall asleep at night, amongst many other benefits. I fell in love with CBD because you get some of the effects of marijuana, but without the high. I hate that high. No, thank you. This is just the CBD from the cannabis plant, and it's 100% legal in all 50 states. And this week's sponsor is Hemp Bombs. I have a bunch of their products sitting here with me right now. I am loving them so far. Hemp Bombs create every type of CBD product imaginable. You have the traditional oil drip, which I've been using for months. You have hand and body lotion. You have gummies. You have lip balm. You have pain freezers and even dog treats. Actually, just before we recorded, Pat rubbed some of this uh, pain freezer on his butt because his back's hurting my today. My back, said, not my a- butt. <laughs> No, well, yeah, but you pulled your shorts down a little bit. I could see the butt very clearly. And um, I said, can I take a picture for social media? And he said, no. So anyway, CBD is wildly popular right now because it works. My mom uses it for joint pain. I use it for anxiety and to sleep better. I have been using the oil for a while now. So I'll either just, you know, put that directly under my tongue or you can even mix it in with like tea Um Mine's strawberry flavored, so tastes Ooh. really good. Um, but I've also used bath bombs before. CBD bath bombs? Mm-hmm. Wow. I've heard those are really good when you have like menstrual cramps. Yep. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Pat, Pat knew exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> Pam has also used it for sleeping. Remember a couple months ago, she was saying she started on it because she had a very hard time falling asleep at night. And just like that, once she started on CBD, it worked for her too. This stuff truly works. But why should you use hemp bombs? They make a range of excellent CBD products at great prices. Plus, hemp bombs are the only CBD company that manages their entire supply chain from seed to sale. So you can rest easy knowing that these products were made safely and weren't made in some sketchy lab. They send out products to an independent third-party lab testing facility to validate the potency of all of their products, and they make these test results easily accessible to the public. You may have seen their products before, actually. They're located in over 25,000 stores nationwide and are even sold in some international countries. With Hemp Bombs, you also get a 30-day money-back guarantee, and like I said, so many different products available, so you can find one that's right for you. 
Go to www.hempbombs.com today and use offer code MILL at checkout to save 30% off your first order. That's a big discount. Again, go to hempbombs.com today and use offer code MILL at checkout to save 30% off your first order. CBD products are amazing. They will vastly improve your life. I'm so excited that Hemp Bombs is sponsoring Millennial, and I'm a proud user of CBD oil, and I can't imagine my life without it anymore. Oh, I look forward to those drops before I go to bed. I know I'm going to have no problem falling asleep. Okay, so it is time now for Trumpster Fire 2020. And we are going to start today with an ad from the Joe Biden campaign. If I lose to him, I don't know what I'm going to do. I will never speak to you again. You'll never see me again. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. (laughs) That is real, and that is amazing. His team is really good. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, whoever they have on, like, media and, like, comms, they're doing a killer job. Yeah. Yeah. That video got, like, 700,000 likes on Twitter. It's gone viral. I just wanted to let everybody know, and I mentioned this in the breaking news installment, I'm going to be signing up for the text for Biden group. This is an official Biden organization, and I'm going to be texting people uh, to make sure that they are registered to vote and make sure they have a plan to go to the polls in November or you know get their ballot in. I'm going to be doing the training for it on Tuesday night, and I'll update everybody once I'm in the thick of it. I like the idea of texting to support his campaign and getting the word out because, again, I'm so bad at confrontation. I'm very on on the podcast. I know I'm very like lively and ha 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 ha. But off air, I'm like not this talkative at all. Um, So texting will work for me. And hopefully I'll have some funny text conversations to share um, if I'm allowed to. I don't know if I can just share them anonymously or what. So. I'll look into that. But yeah, I'm, I think as long as you like blank people's names out. Yeah. Just redact them. Right. Yeah. I think that would be pretty harmless. Um, so I'm looking forward to some interesting moments <laughs> helping out Biden. Um, also, you prepared something for yeah. us, Laura. Yeah. Um, I was going to say I'm, I'm actually signing up to phone bank for Biden. So nice. I was thinking of recording some of those interactions. <laughs> Obviously, I will be like Andrew redacting sensitive information. So just so people can get a vibe for what it's like. Oh, that'll in be case great. You're interested. Um, but I thought that it would be interesting to do a little true and false game about election polling since we are going into uh, election season. The polls are already hot. We've talked about some of them here on the show. But we know from 2016 that we have to all have a healthy understanding of what polls can and can't tell us. Um, you know, sometimes I think we we can be predisposed to exist in our echo chambers if an outlet that we align with ideologically is telling us one thing um, that may not necessarily be like the full context of um, what a poll is endeavoring to measure. So I thought we could just take a couple of minutes to go through some results that actually came from Pew Research. They did a study into um what polls are measuring and how they're doing it. So I will read a statement to you and you two will tell me if you think it is true or false. Okay. Yep. 
Major news outlets like Fox News, CNN, CBS, and Politico use the same survey methodology for polling to guarantee maximum consistency between outlets. False. I'm going to say true. Okay, Pat was right. It is actually false. Hmm. Um, so Pew pointed out some really interesting things here. And it's not to say that these different methods are bad. It's just that different methods have different limitations. So CNN and Fox both actually conduct polls by phone and with live interviewers. So there's a lot of consistency there in the way they do their polling. Um, CBS and Politico field their polls online using opt-in panels. So that's like when you see the offer on a website to take a take a poll or get an email about it. This is what that is like. Um, Outlets like Pew Research actually conduct their polls by recruiting participants in the real world, but then having them take the poll online. Um, But then what gets really confusing is that many outlets use a combination of all of the above strategies. Wow. So you might see a poll that's using like a mixed methodology as well Hmm. okay so next one bogus responses to online polls make up four to seven percent of survey responses and tend to be positive responses rather than negative ones Hmm. i'm gonna say false again i'm gonna double down and say true (laughs) actually andrew's right here um this was one that kind of caught me and i thought it was a really good example to bring forward because when I first read it, I was like, what? Like I, if you were to ask me this question, I would have said, oh, the majority of bogus responses are probably negative, but they're not. Um, So they brought up a couple of examples. So 78% of bogus responses to Trump's approval rating reacted positively to Trump, not negatively. Similarly, 84% of bogus bogus, bogus respondents to the ACA, the Affordable Care Act's 2010 approval rating, reacted positively. So people apparently just, for whatever reason, and it could be the, the way the question is asked or the options that are available to them for answering, but when people are bullshitting a poll, Apparently, they tend to bullshit positively. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, so Pew, Pew thinks that this actually causes for some um, like false inflation mm. in presidential approval ratings. Okay. Hmm. Um, hmm. So uh, some other fun tidbits that they found, and I thought this one was hilarious. So have you guys ever taken a poll where it was like open-ended responses? You didn't like choose multiple choice you just got to write whatever you wanted there was one um one survey that they pulled from and it was a presidential approval rating and the question was something along the lines of like what what like policy implementations are reflective of a good president Mm -hmm. and over two-thirds of the examples from bogus respondents were the same exact excerpt from a George Washington biography. So two-thirds <laughs> of these bogus respondents went to Google, pasted the question in, 
and then oh just copy and pasted the same excerpt <laughs> into their oh, answer. Oh, people. Another thing that I thought was interesting, um, bogus survey respondents self-identified as Hispanic or Latinx three times more than non-bogus respondents. So non-bogus respondents, people who are truly taking the survey and, and being genuine about it, um, they, you know, of that population, about 10% identify as Hispanic or Latinx. But when looking at the bogus respondents, 30% of them identified as Hispanic or Latinx, which also doesn't stack up with the population. So there so are... these assholes just want to throw off the numbers, the yes. data? Um, but also, I mean, there are people who are, you know, way smarter than I am who are able to explain why they're able to know, like, hey, this number, this percentage of self-identifying Hispanic or Latinx people relative to the population shows that people are lying. So that was one <laughs> way they were actually able to identify people lying when taking these polls. Oh, my gosh. Next one. When applied to surveys, the phrase, quote, nationally representative guarantees that its methodology is solid true or false false yeah false you guys are correct um this is a really easy one there is just there's no standardized requirement for calling a poll nationally representative i could go and take a poll on our facebook page right now about which people prefer chunky peanut butter versus smooth, creamy peanut butter, and I could call that nationally representative and we could sell that. Let's um, do it. Yeah. Also, I mean... there's only one answer and that's chunky. <laughs> oh, really? I like yeah. both. I chunky like for life. Mm, Sometimes chunky is too chunky, so I'll mix in some creamy. Like I'll use oh, a little bit of both. The chunkier, the better for me. <laughs> Extra chunky, please. <laughs> All right. And finally, for the last one, the real margin of error, so that thing that you see on a poll where they report margin of error is 3%, so it could be three points higher, three points lower. The real margin of error in a poll is often double the one that's reported. True oh. or false? Well, I mm. hope it's false. True. It's true. Pat was correct. Um, so the margin of error only accounts for random samples differing slightly from the population just by chance. Um, margin of error does not account for non-responses, coverage errors, or mismeasurement. And according to Pew, the average margin of error may actually be 6%, not 3%. Wow. So typically we accept in politics that a poll that has a margin of error greater than 3%, you shouldn't pay attention to because it's just far too wide of a margin of error. But Pew is positing that it's actually more like 6%, not 3 So is that like if people skip questions and stuff like that, like that's part of that reason? Yep. Okay. It's interesting. I actually didn't know that margin of error only accounts for like population differences not all of these other yeah, possibilities so, i didn't know that either so all of this is to say polls are a great indicator but we shouldn't live and die by them no. meaning just because we see that biden is doing very well in national polls right now it's no reason to sit at home on november 3rd and it's no reason to 
you know, wait to come up with a plan to vote. So if you haven't already gotten registered to vote, there's still time. There's still time to request your absentee ballot if you want to vote that way. Many states have early voting that has already started. So please don't let the polls lull you into a false sense of security again. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of registering to vote, Snapchat reported last week that more than 400,000 people have registered to vote as of Monday through their app. That's pretty incredible. I've also noticed Instagram and Facebook really hammering uh, the register to vote message, especially over this past weekend, I think, because we are approaching those voter registration deadlines. Do you guys think that's going to move the needle on turnout this year? I mean, we've also heard about Taylor Swift getting people to register to vote. Um, and then these social media networks like never before are getting people to register to vote. I really am hopeful that this is going to move the needle on this election and in our direction, because the more younger people who vote, uh, I think the better off we're going to be. I do think it's a positive thing that um, these platforms are trying to meet voters where they are, as opposed to, you know, like fervently telling your population you need to get registered to vote, but then the only place to do it is like an arcane state website. Um, So I think, I think it is a good idea that we are meeting people where they are. You know, the question is, do these registered voters, these newly registered voters actually take the final step and vote? That That is the big question. (laughs) I don't know the answer to Well, so hopefully these social media networks are also going to remind people to vote in the weeks leading up to the election. They Mm -hmm. they should be reminded during their early voting periods and they should be reminded in the 48 hours before Election Day. But, yeah, that's a great point. And it's going to take messages from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's going to take new messages from Taylor Swift. It's going to take new messages from everybody to remind people to go out and freaking vote. Yeah, and I think it makes sense that they are doing it. I mean, with people stuck at home, you're on your phone and in social media apps more than ever over the past few months. So I hope yep. that they send out those those reminders in the next few weeks because people are going to see them. It's guaranteed that anybody on social media is going to see that message. One other social media related story. Facebook is going to be paying some users to not use their apps between now and the election. This came on my radar because I know somebody who was actually offered by Facebook money to leave Facebook now through the election. And the reason that he was one of the people who was selected is because he tweets political stuff a lot, like almost on the daily. And then he gets in fights uh, in the comment sections with his crazy racist uh, family members. And it's always a little entertaining for me to watch because I'm, they're not my family members. I'm just watching the show. Um, But he's going to be paid $120 to leave Facebook now through November 3rd. That's pretty great. I mean, yeah, so he's getting paid to protect his mental health, too. Exactly. And this is all for a study. They're going to see how these departures from Facebook affect these people's thinking on who to vote for now through the election. I think that's the purpose of it. They haven't said what the purpose is. This study is being conducted by a third party. It's not Facebook. Facebook is outsourcing this, which is good. So and then we'll find out the results of this study sometime next year. 
I would do this, right? Leave Facebook for yeah. 120 bucks? Oh, God, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I've thought about leaving Facebook for free. <laughs> what I find interesting about this is, and I mean, I don't know what their method is, but presumably if they're targeting people who are very active and making political posts, those are the people who are already decided. I would think that they'd be interested in seeing how this would impact undecided voters um, or people who just aren't as heavily entrenched. But I will say, just like Life Pro Tip, and I see Rex in the Discord has brought this up as well, um, deleting social media apps from your phone so that you're forced to like physically sit down in front of a computer if you want to check something like that makes it a lot easier to avoid the doom scrolling. It's um, a really good idea. I still, I mean, I'm going to admit, I still have Instagram and Twitter on my phone, but I deleted Facebook off my phone a long time ago. And for me, Facebook was the most toxic environment, but Twitter could be getting there too. So we'll see if I give Twitter the axe in the coming weeks. Yeah. I think I've said this before. I unfollowed a lot of news accounts on Twitter because they're Mm -hmm. all tweeting the same thing all day, every day. And usually it's Trump news that will just anger me. So I still follow the New York Times, but I think that's the only source I follow on Twitter. I look at others. I look at their websites for news, but I just don't want to be inundated with the same stories over and over again. So one more thing we wanted to talk about today briefly. This is a story that Pam planned uh, So I guess we'll present it in her voice. (laughs) She wanted to talk about Saturday Night Live finding their Joe Biden for season 46. Um, SNL revealed last week that Jim Carrey would officially be portraying Joe for this coming season. And the season premieres on October 3rd. And I think they're doing like five straight weeks, which is rare for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The show, as we know, it has never shied away from spoofing politicians. They've been doing it forever, it seems. Um, But there's some concern that the political commentary on something like Saturday Night Live might affect the outcome of the election. And that's because SNL and other shows were accused of normalizing Trump as we approached the 2016 election. And a lot of people thought it did more damage than good. And Pam doesn't have this example here, but I always think back to Jimmy Fallon's interview with Trump. Do you remember when he tousled Trump's hair to prove that it was real? Mm-hmm. People shit on him for that for months after because they he was normalizing Trump. Look, oh look, his hair's real. <laughs> He's an everyday person, you know. So what do you guys think? Is it dangerous for SNL to be making fun of politicians? I think that everybody who has even a small amount of influence has a responsibility to think about how they're using that influence and what the consequences might be. But when I look at shows like SNL or any of, you know, the late night talk show hosts, and I see people shitting on them predominantly for normalizing Trump, I want to zoom out and highlight the fact that Trump was normalized by our media, (laughs) by our news outlets, by our journalists who we were supposed to be able to trust And that just has a massive trickle-down effect, so it's not a shock to me that a show like SNL kind of fell into that trap of normalizing Trump because you had all of the major news outlets, like these, (laughs) they're supposed to be fact-based reporting, it's not, but that's still how they're very much viewed in our society. So if 
CNN and Fox News are normalizing Trump, then what happens when it comes down to a late night talk show host or SNL to talk about them? Right. You know, they're using the canvas they've been given from above. SNL points out Trump's flaws through this comedic lens, and then they don't look as bad as they really are. Mm -hmm. What SNL needs to be doing is looking straight at the camera. Kenan Thompson needs to look straight at the camera and be like, Trump is ruining this country. Vote Joe. But they don't do that. They just try to say it in their own way through comedy. And like I said, it's it doesn't make as big of an impact. It's making light of everything that's going on, and it helps you deal with it. I watch Colbert almost daily, his monologue, because it helps me deal with how awful Trump is. He makes me laugh about it, and it reminds me how how much Trump sucks. Yeah, and I, I'm having a hard time remembering right now because the last four years have kind of been a blur when it comes to thinking about how he's been portrayed at various points in time. But I remember in the 2016 election, it felt to me like the first time SNL really highlighted what a toxic influence Donald Trump is, was when Lin-Manuel Miranda hosted. And in his opening like number, called Donald Trump a piece of shit. And it took Lynn doing yeah. that. You yeah. know? It wasn't exactly. And it was too SNL. late at that point. It was like late October. You know, at that point, if you've been portraying him like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's like your crazy racist uncle, but we all have one of those. Isn't he so kooky? You know, if that's been the narrative for months and months, you don't turn that around in one week. Let's say they change and they just look straight at the camera and they say, uh, Trump is awful. Please vote Joe Kamala in in the election. Uh, Republicans are going to say, oh, these coastal city elites, what do they know? Celebrities don't know anything. It's the same old. Having comedians make fun of politicians is the best way to go, because at least it helps us on the left (laughs) deal with it. I think that there's, and I'm not a comedian, so like I recognize that this is a tall order, but I think that there is a way to... Um, you know, elicit a laugh and get some of that catharsis while still highlighting that the person that you're making fun of is toxic and dangerous to the fabric of our country. Yeah. Um, you brought up Colbert. I think he's somebody who does that perfectly. Yeah. And the difference between Colbert and SNL is that SNL, when they're criticizing Trump, they're always in character. So they can't do it as directly as Colbert does at times. By the way, Jim Carrey is Joe Biden. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I like how we completely <laughs> went by that. I wish yeah, they would have I... stuck with Woody Harrelson, who's been doing Me it. Too. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Jim Carrey is just, I, I just hope he's not trying too hard to be Jim Carrey. You know, the, um, the mask, the Grinch, you know, you got to do something different. Yeah. Jim Carrey's very, um, his humor is very physical. Mm-hmm. So there's like lots of movement. And I see somebody in the Discord brought up like, I guess they can't make Sleepy Joe jokes anymore if Jim Carrey's playing him on SNL. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess we'll but, see. Yeah, I, I also preferred Woody Harrelson. I thought he was pretty perfect. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll give him a chance. Even the guy before him, he was an SNL cast member. Yeah, I don't remember his oh, name. Oh, um, me neither. Sedaris. Jason Sudeikis? Sudeikis? Yeah. I think that's him. 
Anyway, okay, well, that about does it for this week's episode. But first, we wanted to say thank you to our lovely patrons. We're still growing, which makes us feel so good. I know. This week's episode has been sponsored by listeners like you. It has been so humbling over the last few months to see the support that we're getting from our community over at patreon.com slash millennial, whether you support us at the $2 tier or the $10 tier, we are just so thankful for you. Um, if you need plenty of content to stay entertained during all of this, we definitely recommend our $5 support tier, which gets you access to our flagship benefit after dark, the millennial variety show, our exclusive discord chat, where you can talk to your fellow patrons and the hosts during live broadcasts and so much more. Um, I really love this community. I love the fact that, like, you know, when we have breaking news, we're excited to hop on and get that done and, like, have our hot takes on it available immediately. Um, And it's also good to just catch up with people throughout the week in the Discord you know, pop in there sometimes. And like we mentioned that the latest breaking news is available to everybody. So hop over to Patreon to listen to that. And in After Dark today, I have a small uh, update on the sale of my condo. I feel like my realtor betrayed me. I was really angry. I texted Laura last week when this happened. I was like, what the fuck? Should I be mad about this? And she said, yeah, you have reason to be mad. And I have a big update. Okay, great. By the way, Pat's a patron, too. Pat, do you like Patreon? Yeah, I do. I always forget about the Discord, but when you guys did the the Black Panther viewing party, that was really fun, like, talking to everybody in, in the Discord, the, like, fun moments, the jokes, like, everything was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Blue Smith said, I don't know what I would do without Millennial during all this. Love this community. She just said that on our Discord. Issa asks... Andrew is the sugar baby, I guess, in a way. Yeah. If Pat's a patron, then yeah. yeah. I wish there were a couple of zeros at the end of his monthly pledge, but hey, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. But I do got to say, it is worth it. The intro, I can't remember what the intro is called. Um, opening, hashing whatever. it out. Yeah, hashing Pat it out. Pat listens to everything. I listen to myself as he <laughs> listens to it. I'm like, can you put in headphones? I don't need to hear myself. But After Dark really is worth it. It's a lot more fun, relaxed. It's really lets you get to know the hosts more. Well, Pat is very biased. I recognize this, but thank you for saying those things. It has no effect (laughs) on the length of your blowjob tonight. Um, Okay. And it has no effect on the length of the blowjobs that all of our patrons will receive. (laughs) (laughs) So it's time now for recommendations. So my recommendation is as we get into, at least here in uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, um, <laughs> as we get into the fall and winter months, especially if you're pasty pale like me, or even if you're not, just to protect your skin, still wear sunscreen. I am pretty religious about wearing sunscreen on a daily basis, except... Uh, this weekend, I had some stuff going on, which I'll talk about in After Dark. And I spent a pretty good amount of time outside Saturday afternoon. It was a lovely, cool, breezy, cloudy fall day. And I got sunburned. No. Because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have time to put on my regular, um, you know, SPF combination moisturizer and uh, sunscreen 
that morning. So I just went out with nothing on my face and my face still stings. I don't feel like the burn is super visible at this point, but I still feel it. Um, And I'm just really sad that I'm that pale. (laughs) I am with you. Pat's also very pale. I am a ghost. I wear sunscreen all the time because I burn and then I go back to being translucent. So (laughs) I just don't tan. Freckles appear. I don't even get a base tan. I am recommending the Great British Baking Show. Series 11 starts tomorrow in the UK. And then three days later, just like last year, it'll be on Netflix for us Americans and I think other countries too. I don't know for sure. But it is just my ultimate happy show, which is, I think, something we all need. Like, I hear the theme song, and my soul immediately just is so happy. Um, It's the most wholesome competition show ever, I feel like. And they did a little bit differently this year. So most people know every year or every season, the bakers get to go home every week and then they just come back on weekends and compete this year because of COVID. They isolated everybody and the whole competition is only over six weeks rather than like four months. So it's going to feel a little different and there's a new host. So I'm just really excited for it. I know it's a show that will just make me happy in these shitty times. So yeah, watch it. Okay. And I was struggling to come up with a recommendation this week. So I'm going to kind of do a cop out here because I mentioned this in last week's After Dark. I have built a couple Lego sets recently and I've been really enjoying it. Of course, I used to build Legos as a kid, which kid didn't. Uh, Those in Canucks, those were my shit. Um, But when looking for things to relax with and, uh, you know, things that don't require staring at a screen, Legos check those boxes for me. It's fun to build these, have the TV on in the background, and I've just really been enjoying building Legos again like a five-year-old. But there's also a lot of Lego sets for adults, including this awesome Nintendo Entertainment System, complete with an old-school TV. That's a whole set. I just bought that over the weekend. It's a lot of pieces. It's going to probably take me a lot of time and probably take up the kitchen table for a few weeks. Sorry, Pat. But I also see it as a new decorative item for the house. It's It'd be cool to display this old school looking NES system. So uh, yeah, I recommend building Legos. I went into the Lego store over the weekend like a child. <laughs> no shame, though. A lot of adults build Legos. Oh, yeah. I love building Legos. Mark usually gets me a set at Christmas. Oh, cute. And we spend the day assembling it. Yeah. Yeah. I would want to build more Harry Potter ones, but not anymore. Why is she ruining our childhood? (laughs) God. I did buy two Harry Potter Lego sets, the Night Bus and the Hogwarts Express, but now I'm done. No Hogwarts, no Diagon Alley, no anything else. And I'll need more Harry Potter stuff right now. If you want to get in touch with us today, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. We also have our confessional there. You can also follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pat. (laughs) Bye, everybody.
Bienvenido a Kaiser Permanente. El doctor ya te puede ver. Verá que aunque eres muy activo, ahora te cansas más rápido de lo normal. Verá que a menudo almuerzas comida rápida. Verá que pones a tu familia primero y tu salud tiende a caer en segundo o tercer lugar. Y claro que verá que tienes el azúcar alto, igual que tu papá. En Kaiser Permanente trabajamos juntos para ver todo lo que tú eres y darte el cuidado que tú mereces. Kaiser Permanente, para todo lo que tú eres. 